Welcome to the anointed and transformational teaching ministry of Pastor Wale Akinshiku, Senior Pastor of House of Praise Mississauga, Canada, a parish of the redeemed Christian Church of God. It is our prayer that as you listen to this message, you will be empowered to achieve your dreams and fulfill your destiny. God bless you as you listen. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 to 14. Matthew 22, 36 to 40. A, a scribe, uh, a very smart man uh, that was a visiting professor to Harvard but was trained in Princeton and usually goes to lecture in Stanford, came to ask Jesus a question. <laughs> and this is the question that I Jesus. He said, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? You know. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. Keep going, please. He says, this is the first and great commandment. Keep going. And the second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? Now, this is where I'm going. Verse 40. On these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Receive our words in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Now, write down these three words, please. Write down these three words. Number one, person. Person. Number two, principles. Principles. Number three, power. Person. Principles and what? Power. And power. You have to quickly understand. I want to set up some things here for you now. When you're relating with God, you're relating with one of these three. I'm trying to teach you a bit of theology in 15 minutes. Anytime you're relating with God, you're interfacing with one of these three. You're either interfacing with this person, you're relating with this, engaging his principles, or you're connecting with his power. The person of Jesus is what is going to take us to heaven. Are you with me now? Yes. But there are people today that are living a good life with, based on the principles or distilled principles of Jesus that they've been able to apply their, into their lives. There are people today that don't have a connection with this person, but they flow with these principles. <laughs> don't, don't bother about that. But most importantly, what you should understand is that as a church, as a people of God, we must definitely connect with his power. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20 says, The kingdom of God. It's not in words only, but in power. It's not in words only, there's in power. Power of stewardship. The power of stewardship. The unfortunate thing is that today, I guarantee you, after 18 and a half years of experience in pastoring, more than half of Pentecostals, I'm not even talking about evangelicals, Pentecostals lack power. Zero power. They can't move a fly. The reason is very simple because many people, listen very carefully to me, I'm crying to you from my heart. Because many people don't understand the process, the, the journey to power. When Jesus was going, the last statement he made, which lawyers will tell us is the most important statement, is that you will receive power. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, that's the last statement Jesus made before he went to heaven. You will receive power when the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Of, the, of everything Jesus could have said, the last thing he said is you will receive what? You will receive dynamis. You will receive dynamis. Now, this power, however, is not possible without good stewardship. You have to serve God. That is why the Bible makes it clear in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Matthew 6, 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God. Make God and his kingdom your priority. Then God can entrust you with power. Oh. See? Stewardship is what leads to power. So listen carefully. Anything that moves you away from stewardship is moving you into vulnerability. Jesus said so. Jesus said so. 
So let's look at it. Matthew chapter 10, from verse 37 to 39. Matthew chapter 10, 37 to 39. He who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Verse 38. And he who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Keep going there. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life will find it for my sake. Okay? So the, 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 the one that finds his life, the one that is saved, is the one that has contributed something to the kingdom. It's a very important concept. I see many people today that are comfortable and they think they're satisfied with not serving. As a matter of fact, some people, some people even have a lot of reasons that they feel is good reasons why they're not serving God. Please understand this. There are many dimensions of prayers that we pray that will not go beyond the roof if we're not serving. Let me show you from scripture. In the book of Luke chapter 1 verse 8, Luke chapter 1 verse 8, there's a man called Zechariah. How many of you remember the story? Zechariah was the one that gave the father of John the Baptist. You know John the Baptist? All right, John the Baptist. Okay. So it was that while he was what? Serving. While he was doing what? Seven. I want you to say that again because I want you to sink into your spirit. While he was doing what? Seven. While he was serving before God. Now notice this as priest. As priest. This is a very important part. While he was serving. While he was serving according to the order of his own division. So you are an usher. That's the work they gave you to do. While you are serving doing that. The Bible says in verse 13. Look at what happened in verse 13. Remember it was while he was doing what? Seven. In verse 13, the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard or answered. But why, when did this angel say this to him? While he was doing what? Seven. While he was serving, not just sitting down. Not, just, not while he was attending church. While he was serving. While he was serving. While he was serving. Service is key. Service is key. Service, people, some people say, well, service costs. Service doesn't cost, service pays. One of my sons was about to travel, so he came to me um, on Friday. Oh, he said I should pray for him. So I, I, I was praying for him. So we, we had a chat, you know, my, we have a good chat. So we're having a chat, I asked him about school. It's because he's running a master's program in um, Ivy Business School. So as I was speaking to him, I asked him, I said, oh, how was the tuition again? He said it's $100,000 for the tuition fee. And, and that, that's a bargain compared to Harvard. You're not listening to me. You know, that's the bargain concerning to, compared to Harvard. But let's even stay with Ivy because it's here down there in London. He hundred thousand dollars. You know, now he left his job, okay, for the one year, one and a half years, whatever that is going to do. Because he left his job, so he's not getting paid. Then he takes a hundred thousand dollars to go and pay to get an MBA. Are you following what I'm saying now? Now somebody else will look at that and say, I cannot believe it's a ridiculous waste of money. Hey, yeah, <laughs> I feel for you. <laughs> you see, because you're looking at it short term. Uh, you have to amortize that 100,000. Not, not, not over 20 or 30 years, but over three or four generations. Yeah. When you amortize that $100,000 over 100 years, you see that it's $1,000 per year. Because what is going to benefit from afterwards is students, students, children will benefit from it. Is that not right? So you have to understand many people don't see it that way. They say education costs. They don't understand that ignorance costs a lot. Ignorance costs a lot more than education will ever cost you. I mean, it's going to take you about $300,000, $400,000 to become a medical doctor. But the truth is this. A medical doctor earns more than a cleaner. Yes. I don't want to bother you. I don't want to bother you. You know, you are going to use native intelligence to learn how to clean. 
It doesn't cost you anymore. It costs zero. To be a medical doctor, you need about three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars. That is even if you are doing it in the Caribbean islands. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you. I got to talk to the people on the side. But you know, when you become the medical doctor, if you are a cardiothoracic surgeon, are you with me now? You know, even if you just only one person, you open their chest. Even if they don't have any problem, you just open their chest. <laughs> a cardiothoracic surgeon in America makes a million dollars a year. I mean, and that's it. It makes about a million dollars a year. That's what I'm telling my, my niece. I said, what is, please, just come to America. Come to America. Come and be a, please, niece, if you're listening. Cardiothoracic surgeon. He said, I want to say, I want to be, I'm thinking of family doctor. I said, don't worry. The families will take care of themselves. Cardiothoracic surgeon. Thank you, Jesus. This is where I am now. So listen then. So you think it's cost. You have to look at what you get. What service gives you is power. It gives you a level of connectivity with God that nothing else can give you. Prayer is not the only route to intimacy. Service shows God that what he is interested in, you are also interested in. That his priority is now your priority. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. All these other things will be added. He said in verse 32 of Matthew chapter 6, he says, I, your father knows that you have need. Your father knows you have a need. He said, but let me show you how to meet the need. The best way to meet the need is to pursue the needs of the kingdom. Then you meet the need. You know, it's amazing that the Bible tells us in the book of John chapter 15, verse 7 and 8. John 15, verse 7 and 8. It says, if you abide in him, his words abide in you. You will ask what you desire. It shall be done for you if you follow what he's saying. So we people don't know that their prayer life is tied to their service life. Your prayer life is tied to your freedom. Luke chapter 1, verse 74 and 75. Your service life to grant us that we've been delivered from the hand of our enemy. What's the purpose? Seven. Seven. That's it. Seven. So your greatest security is to serve. Your greatest security is to serve. The quick question is this. When you and I get born again, or before we got born again, we have lived our lives in the kingdom of the world and in that kingdom, the natural ingredient, base in, in, ingredient that enables us to succeed is selfishness. Please, please, listen to me. Listen carefully. In the kingdom of the world, the base instrument, base ingredient rather, that enables people to succeed, that drives them on, is selfishness. Greed and selfishness. I mean, you just go to Wall Street. Greed and selfishness. People are driven. The Bible says that the hunger of the belly of a man drives him on. It just drives him on, drives him on. I want more. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to keep as much as I can keep. You know, so it drives people on. Selfishness. You don't care about what to, what to your left or to your right is falling. You just want to make sure you hit, you hit your target. That is what is causing 95% of the problem in the world today. Because people don't care who they damage. They just want to get something. That is how the kingdom of the world runs. Then we get born again. The Holy Spirit comes into our heart. And God tells us that the ingredient that has helped people to succeed in the kingdom of the world, in this new kingdom called the kingdom of God, is a major liability. Uh, I wish you were hearing what I'm saying. Selfishness now is a major, somebody say major. major. Yeah, it's a major liability. What helped people to succeed here? It's a major liability. You know, the, in, the, in the world system, people have re, um, the nomenclature for selfishness has changed over time. People call it drive. People say, you know, in the resume, they even say, they're looking for, sorry, in job descriptions, they're looking for people that are self-driven. 
Self-driven basically means selfish. If you are a self-driven salesman, it means that somebody that doesn't care whether the goods you want to sell is benefiting you or not, just buy it. That self-driven salesman, just push, push it, sell snake oil and call it engine oil. Just do what you have to do. That's the selfishness. There's a lot of selfishness out there. If there was no selfishness, there would have been no financial crash in 2008. How people are giving out loans to people they know they cannot pay. That's true. That's what happened. If there's no selfishness, how then, how then is it that Lehman Brothers will crash and all these other banks, will, they will not do it and they will be getting, I mean, their banks are suffering. They're, they're making huge losses and they're getting bonuses. How does that make sense? Because they're getting their bonus is tied to the volume of sales, not the profitability. Oh, I don't know, I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. They, so they, what they have done is that they have tied this thing. They have designed a program for their own selfishness. But in the kingdom of God, it's a liability. Unfortunately, when we're not coming to the kingdom of God, we don't get some of this selfishness. We continue with it. And we're now wondering why God is not blessing us. Because God cannot bless you until you have other people in mind. Thank you, thank you in the lobby, thank you. Second Samuel chapter 5, verse 12. This was, that's why God says, David is a man after my heart. David was one of the few people that understood this principle. Second Samuel chapter 5, verse 12. David knew that God has exalted his kingdom, established him as king, and installed him in the kingdom. Why? For the Jesse family? No. For David's children? No. For the sake, come on now, of his people. That's it. That's why God did it. Mordecai had to tell Esther the same thing. He said, who knows, knows whether you are in the kingdom for such a time as this? He said, and if you will not help now, you know, you're not, you didn't become queen just because God wanted you to be queen. You became queen. God planted you there so that you can save his people. And if you are not going to save them, help will arise from somewhere else. And you yourself, you will not survive here. When he said that, Esther said, okay, let's go and fast. And Esther did fast. Today, I say to people all the time, Esther was one of the most beautiful women that ever walked the surface of the world. Look at how many people she come. You know, this one was a competition. Not, a, not a, uh, some matchmaking. Competition. With, they brought beautiful people from everywhere. They beautified them again for 12 months. Read the Bible. And they now presented them one by one. And it was only one chance, sir. You walk before the king. Bible. When you're reading the Bible, you're reading it spiritually. I mean, you gotta really see. The king had to see the way they walk. So, okay, walk it, walk it, walk it, walk it. And then the king has to do that. Read, it, read your Bible. I don't know what you're reading. What have you been reading? I can't talk to these people. I can't talk to these people. You know, you know what, what, is, what, is, what do you think it was? You think when the Bible says it was, it was the queen, you think it was a spiritual thing? I don't understand these people. So when the Bible says that Adam knew his wife and the child came out, how do you think? You think knew means introduction? <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen. So, you know, so he married the woman. The woman was doing very, very well. And everything was peaceful for a while. But God had planted there there for a moment. She was rich. Obviously, this man controlled, read the Bible, 180 provinces from Ethiopia to India. That king. And this was the queen. And everything was good. But nobody remembers Esther for how much she has. What was her net worth again? We don't remember. How many houses did Esther have? We can't remember now. We can't even remember how many children. But what did Jews remember Esther for? Is the festival of Purim. It was what she used all those. Those things are important. But it was what she used all those things to do for the kingdom. That's what they remember. What about Joseph? Joseph is the prime minister. That's what people will remember. But Joseph said in his own testimony, he said, 
in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Look at what Joseph said. Oh, I wish you would listen to what I'm saying to him. Joseph said, you meant it for evil against me. He said, but God meant it for good. Okay, why did God meant it for good? He said, in order to do what? To save how many people? To save many. So the whole idea of Joseph becoming a prime minister is not the real thing. Joseph becoming the prime minister, the, the purpose of God in it is to save many people in famine. That's the reason. But if Joseph thinks I'm a prime minister now just to enjoy myself, then that's the last day he will really be prime minister before God. So many people don't understand this. God is lifting you up, he's promoting you, not so that you can isolate yourself. It's so that you can allow God to distribute things through you. Can I hear an amen from somebody? You know, listen, I've been a pastor now a little over 18 and a half years. I've had the, you know, just, it's just, I want to be very careful here, but, you know, but it's just part of the pastor's role. That unfortunately, sometimes you have to attend funerals. I've seen a lot of people live very useless lives. <coughs> I don't want to talk to you this morning. Pile up huge, huge, huge things, and they are dead. You know, how many square shoes are you going to wear? I've not seen anybody that's been married that is wearing four shoes. It's only one pair. How many suits are you going to wear? The way one And it's only one tie. You can put four ties. He said, why? He said, because this is honey. This is Jodhu. This is Versace. <laughs> one dump man in Africa died. They said they should bury him with the Homer. They buried him with the Homer. Two days later, other people went there and removed it. <laughs> Raska threw his body on the ground, drove away the Homer. <laughs> I've seen too many people. So those people, that's why in Africa when, when they bury people, people are coming to check to see what they bury them with. It's true, they're coming to look. So if you put all my last of jewelry, no problem. That night, no matter, no matter the concrete, they put there. You know, you know, we, we, we started a project in the new building, and um, I was telling them during the week, you know, the work has started there, and the concrete on the floor is six inches thick, thick concrete. They had to bring in a specialized machine to cut through the machine, to cut through the concrete because they're doing some work, you know, um, laying the plumbing and all of that stuff. These people in Africa that steal this jewelry, they don't need specialized machine. Their hands, in the middle of the night, they will open concrete. They're looking for jewelry. You don't know what I'm talking to you about. Your life is not about the accumulation of the things you have. The meaning of your life is not about the accumulation. Nobody will. The truth is, nobody will remember you for those things. Nobody. Have you ever seen any obituary? And they say, oh, and this man was a multi-million. Nobody thinks about it. They talk about the impact. Bill Gates found that out now, that nobody's remembering him for Microsoft. People are cla clapping for him, for what he's doing with the Bill, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. It's what you do. It's what you do with it. It's good. If there was no Microsoft, there would be no Bill and Melinda Gates, but it doesn't stop with the Microsoft because the Abrahamic covenant is that you will be blessed to be a blessing. Give Jesus praise. Give Jesus praise. Give Jesus praise. Stewardship. So we got to understand the stewardship. So when Jesus, when we get, give our lives to Christ, and God sheds abroad in our heart the love of God so that we can love God. Love God. And the highest, the highest level of love is when we lay down our life for God. So, but before we get to that point when we're laying down our life, let me show you four things. Number one, we can serve God practically. Serving practically. Practically means do something functional in church. And somebody's excuse is always, oh no, I don't have the time, I'm busy at work. And, and that's fine. We understand that. The church is practical. Okay? There's a practical side. There's, there's a, there's a um, spiritual part to church, but there's a practical side also. Okay? 
You don't necessarily have to join a formal workforce. You can volunteer for a particular event. You know, and, and the challenge people have also is that, you know, and this is where you have to be extremely careful, particularly in a church like House of Praise. The more successful you are, the more it, it becomes more and more difficult for you because success comes with a lot of reputation for you to be able to serve. Jesus Christ, the Bible says in the book of John chapter 13, verse 2 and 3, that he knew he had everything. Supper being handed, verse 3. John chapter 13, verse 3. The Bible says, Jesus knowing that the Father has given all things. How many things? All things into his hand. And that he had come from God and he was going back to God. In verse 4, what did he do? He took away his clothes, his garments, took a bowl of, of, and poured water in it and started washing people's feet. And in those days, when they say wash people's feet, please don't think that it's these days when you have to first take off your Armani socks. These people were walking barefooted on dusty road. Their legs were really, really bad. Jesus knelt down and was washing that and he was a very successful person. That's why the Bible says he made himself of no reputation. So when, the more successful we are sometimes, the more our reputation is so big we can't serve. We can't serve and you know, volunteer in a place because, I mean, this could have been too bad if they see me, a whole medical doctor. How can they go to see me, a whole medical doctor? I mean, the ocean department. I mean, what kind of nonsense is that? And to, 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 to make matters worse, who is the HOD anyway? Because <laughs> I, I need to know. Where are they, all the top PhD holders in what department are they in this, in this church? That's the only place I can join. <laughs> That's a problem already for you. Please don't be too successful that you can't serve God. Don't be too successful that you can't serve God. So, practical things. Practical things. By the grace of God, I have the great, big privilege of serving you as a pastor here. Reverend Sam was in the program, starting something you know, in Atlanta last year. You know, and I called and I said I was going to be with him. I said I just wanted to come and serve and help him out. And I went in there. I told him anything he gave me to do. Carry cartons. I was carrying cartons. I was, because it was just a new setup. I was carrying cartons. At the end of the day, I was moving garbage, moving chairs, everything. Anything. Just, that's what, that's it. It's not that, oh, I'm pastoring over 2,000 people. So um, in, in our church, actually, um, Pastor May is the one that moves that. No, you move it. When you're there, you move it. In my house, I mean, of course, in my house, I have two buses in my house. I move things. We got beach, everything. Like just um, two days ago, I, I was sent to the grocery store. Uh, actually, sent is a very nice word. I was, I was ordered <laughs> to head to the grocery store and buy some things. So after I got my instruction, what I said, do, <laughs> I said, this is I went to the grocery store. So it was God that saved me. For that. You know, some of the things I wanted to buy in the grocery store, they were not compatible with the role of a pastor. No, no, with the, with the reputation of a public speaker. So I got my basket, but thank God the things that they told me to buy, you know, salad, hallelujah, <laughs> freshly squeezed orange juice. So I bought that. So, but I now took one or two of my own, you understand? So basket. Are you following? This is true life, so this happened to me. So I carried my basket. As the Holy Spirit is, thank God for the Holy Spirit. As I was going, I just met a man. This is in Hamilton. I just met a man. The man said, the man was looking at me. I saw the wife, the wife was waving. <laughs> I started scratching myself. I look at my basket. My basket was still good. So the man said, the, man said, the lady said, so the, the man woke up to me and said, oh, Pastor Wally. I said, oh, yeah. He said, what are you doing here? I was going to say, what are you doing here? I'm going to what are you doing here? What are you doing here? But anyway, the man, the man said, wow, I didn't, I didn't know you live in... When did you, do you live in Hamilton? I said, yeah, I said, you know what, I've been living in Hamilton. 
He said, oh, okay. He said, you know, oh, wow, open heavens. So he started talking to me. He comes to open heavens, right? Someone and his wife, they don't really come to this church, but they come for open heavens because they live in Hamilton. So the man was telling me about open heavens and how he enjoys it. So I started talking to him about open heavens. I took a glance at my basket again. It was still okay. I quickly went to the self-checkout. You know, and when you check out, this is my own observation. It might not be scientific. When you buy salad and you check it out, the sound is different. <laughs> I must speak to the people on the side. Are you listening to me now? This type of things that we eat with white flour, you know, it sounds different. When you do salad, just pim, chocolate, pim, cheese, pim. When you do the white flour, you bam. <laughs> It sounds different. So I just quickly, quickly moved the thing, put it in the bag, grab the whole thing, jump into my car, go home. So I was in shopping. I said, ah, that's why I don't like going shopping. Everybody, everybody. Last Sunday, I wanted to buy something. I got to the store, myself and my son, only to get to the store. As I was about to drive in, I just saw three house of praise people enter the place. I just was <laughs> I said, I said, they can't catch me here, pricing yam. Hacking over yam. I said, no, this is not good for us to praise people. It, for me, I don't mind, no, but for you, it's not good for your reputation. <laughs> God is a faithful God. <laughs> uh, we have to know the reason why we're where we are. If God has lifted you up, why has he lifted you up? Practical things, practical things. What else, in what areas can we serve? Number two, are you with me? Giving, giving, giving to God. Our tithes and our offerings. You know, there are many things that people say today all over the place. Oh, why should we pay the tithe? Is it net? Is it gross? It's not in the New Testament. All of that. We'll get some time later on to walk through the theology of it and the scripture of it. But I think at this stage, the basic thing is just very simple. Luke chapter 16, verse 11 tells us that if we're not faithful when it comes to money, let's look at NLT translation. NLT translation, you know, it says the righteous mammon in NKJV, but in NLT, what does it say? You know, if you are untrustworthy about worldly weight, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? That's what God is saying. So, and when we give our tithes, it is a demonstration that we trust God with our money. So, but the Bible says if you're untrustworthy with that, there's something called true riches of heaven. God said he can't give you that. You know, I woke up this morning, I was in as I woke up in this morning, it's my custom. First thing I'm going to do is read my Bible. Right there and then, boom, powerful revelation exploded in my spirit. And these are things that are true, true riches of heaven. Now, for you to know, the impact of a revelation, just one word of a revelation can change everything for everybody, for somebody. Not for just for the person, for a whole generation. These are true riches and it stays with you forever. Like I said to them in the first service, to the glory of the Almighty God, I say this under the Holy Spirit. Nobody can kill me. Nobody. No matter all the witches in the world can come together. They can't kill me. It's not boasting. It's because of what I found in the Bible. What I found in the Bible. I found that in the Bible, Genesis 43, 33, 49, 33, that Joseph was the one that took his own legs by himself. You know, I can tell you this thing over and over and over again. You can read it, but you have not seen it. There's a big difference. When Jacob had finished commanding his son, he drew his feet into his bed, breathed his last, and was gathered to his people. You are reading it, but you have not found, you have not found it. And it's only when you find it that there's a reward. You find it when he, now it's in your head, it's not yet in your spirit. And it gets into your spirit, that's the revelation part. When it gets into your spirit. Luke chapter 23, verse 46. Luke 23, 46. <laughs> 
It says, when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. That's when he breathed his last. Until the spirit is committed, I'm not permitted to breathe my last. You know, I've seen enough. I can, I've just given you two. I've seen enough of this thing. The Bible says that those that sleep, they sleep at night, not in the afternoon. And it's very bad grammar to say to somebody at 12 noon or at 4 p.m., good night. That's bad grammar. You can't say that. So, you see, you see, you're hearing it now. You're reading it now. Is it entering your head? It's forgotten. It's put into your memory. It's not the same thing as entering your spirit. But how much are you going to pay for long life? How much are you going to pay for protection? Well, I can tell you that publicly. It's not a, I'm not praying that, oh, God, please, oh, Oh God, oh, don't let any witch give me. Oh God, oh, wizards, oh. let them gather. <laughs> because the Bible is giving them permission to gather. They have a building permit to gather. The building permit number is 5415. I-S-A-I-A-H. That's the code. Isaiah 5415. <laughs> That's the building permit number. Indeed, they will surely assemble. Ah, whosoever assembles against you, Fall for your sake. Fall for your sake. So this is the point I'm making. You have the spiritual. Now, when you're sitting down there somewhere, somewhere in the corner, in the sanctuary, in the lobby, or you're hearing this, you do, of course, the first thing that will come to your mind is that this is a lot of arrogance. Yes, it is to you when you don't have the same revelation. When you see a man that has the money to buy a Bentley and that is in shorts and walks, and walks through the place, you know, and says, I don't like this. Remove all the seats. I want white. And they tell him it's going to cost more than the original car. He says, but I, I didn't ask you how much. I just said remove it. And, uh, you, that you're trying to buy a car <laughs> of 5000 you will say, what's wrong with this car? You see, you see, it's because of the resources. Uh, the resources level are different. So before you judge their arrogance or pride, please ask what they are they carrying. Hallelujah. What are they carrying? What are they carrying? What are they carrying? What are they carrying? No matter what they got. They fly in the air. They come underground. They come anywhere. It doesn't make a difference because I have a 3D authority. Three-dimensional authority. The Bible says, "The name of Jesus, every knee should bow." Things in heaven, one D. <laughs> Things on earth, two D. Things under the earth, three D. <laughs> three D authority, sir. Three-dimensional. It doesn't matter. You don't need to see them. Pestilence that walk by day, the arrow that hide by night. You don't need to be looking for them. They are the one bothered about you. And Satan, don't get me wrong. Satan is not look. He can't kill everybody. He's looking for who to. Ah, he's looking for Wuto. And your name is not part of the Wuto. Yeah. All of these things come. I didn't go to Bible school for it. You can't, even if you go to Bible school, you can't see this one. It comes by revelation. It's by your giving that your heavens open. Look at what they said about Jesus. John chapter 7, verse 15. They said they didn't go to school for it. They were shocked. The people that went to school for it, they couldn't match Jesus in the thing. The Jews marveled, saying, how does this man know the letters? Have you never studied <laughs> Look at it. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It's not only Jesus. The disciples, they said they marveled that they were untrained and unlearned men, but they took note that they had been hanging around Jesus. And verse 16 says, they said it among themselves that a notable miracle has been done. We can't deny it. The result in their hand, we can't deny. What is about to come out of your life in this season? No devil will be able to deny it. So listen to me carefully. You are losing a lot when you are not serving God practically. You are losing a lot when you're not serving God with your giving. You're losing a lot. When you're not serving God with giving, you're losing a lot. You must give. You must give. You must give. What, how else can I serve God? Witnessing. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 tells us, 
You are receiving the power so that you can be witnesses unto me. Speak to somebody about Jesus. You can't just keep Jesus hidden. Have passion to speak to people. Be fruitful in your Christian life by ministering Jesus to people. Talk to people about Jesus. Don't have family members that you have not spoken to about Jesus. Can I, can I shock you about something? Can I say something to you? Particularly those that are asking you for money. You got to let them know that the Jesus, you're, you're asking me for money. The person that gave me the money is Jesus. They say, well, I don't want to do religion. Then don't do religion. Don't do my pockets too. <laughs> huh? If you don't like religion, why are you liking my pockets? You see them now. You use your affluence to influence them to Jesus Christ. That's what you tell them. Don't tell you don't like Jesus. Then you, you don't like my pockets. Sit, go and look for other people. What do you mean you don't like Jesus? Say this after me. Almighty God. <laughs> not just come into my heart. Carry my whole heart. Take my whole heart with you. I give you my heart. Give you my life. Give you my lungs. My kidney. What are you talking about? <laughs> you, don't like, you don't like religion. And you're asking me for money every day. You don't like religion. <laughs> you use your word to influence them. I think all the people that were trained in Abraham's house, they're big, they followed him. They followed his faith. So we can, we, can, we can understand this. You witness to people. Let, let it burn in you. When you go to a place, you go to a restaurant, you see people, seas of people, they're not born again. Doesn't it affect you? It's a Christian. You should. You should. You should fight for the glory of God. And unfortunately for some Christians, they are the ones that will sit down with their unbeliever friends and be talking against the church. So, you know, oh, the body of Christ now, I don't even, you can't even trust any church now. You know, and that's why I don't like organized religion. So what do you like? Chaotic religion? <laughs> Which one do you like? You don't like, like, like organized religion? If you want to understand what chaos means, just buy your ticket, go to Somalia, or go to Sudan, South Sudan. Just go and find what, you want to know what chaos is? Go to a place called Waziritan. Go there. It's a place, a hilly country, part of Pakistan. No man's land. Go there. Carry a Quran, carry a Bible. Go. And come back after five, after five days. And come and tell me what chaos looks like. You cannot walk in Waziritan. You can't walk for 10 minutes without hearing the gunshot. You say, I don't like organized religion. So my point is to use this. You've got to understand that in our service of God, are you still with me? Witness, 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 witness to people. Then finally, obey God. Just obey God. Obedience to God. First John chapter 3, verse 16 to 18 tells us that his commandments are not, they're not burdensome. They're not gruesome. God says it. Don't argue with God. Just do it. Don't argue. Don't go, oh, well, kind of like, um, it's kind of like old school. You are, you are under the authority of my voice right now, or you're listening online. You know, you're a young adult, you're living with a boyfriend, both of you are not married, you're living with a girlfriend. So, well, Pastor, you don't understand my peculiar situation. Listen to me. Don't let your peculiar situation peculiarly take you to hell. Don't live in the house with your boyfriend you're not married to. So I'm trying to save rent. That's what Esau did. He got something in the natural and lost everything in the supernatural. He's the only man in the whole Bible that God said, Esau, I have hated. The God of 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, that is love, said, is the only man. God did not say, I hate Pharaoh. For you to know how serious that statement is. God never said, I hated Pharaoh. He said, he's hardened. That's what he said. He said, Pharaoh is hardened. But Esau, God said, I hate him. He said, Esau, I have hated any man, any man that has made the God, their belly, their God. The Bible says Esau was a profane man, a fornicator, a profane man. That's how the Bible describes him. One that ran into the house of his boyfriend, ran into the house of his girlfriend, and is living there. 
That's even worse for a man. A man. How can you say you're a man? <laughs> Have you gotten something out of this today? Stand up on your feet like a champion. This is the end of the message. We are sure that you have been blessed. For more information, please visit our website at www.houseofpraise.ca. God bless you.